Growing up sucks. Just ask Eric Lauber, father of three 20-somethings and a college professor for decades. Eric helps young adults get smarter, richer, healthier, and happier on the hashtag adulting podcast, Growing Up Sucks. Depression is a very serious topic for today's young adults. Cassidy and I offer hope because we talk at length about our own experiences and about how now we're doing just fine. Hey Cassidy, uh, welcome to the program today. So I know what we're going to talk about, but before we do that, why don't we learn a bit about you. So who are you, where you're from, how old are you? Hi, um, I'm Cassidy. I am 21 years old. I'm from Western PA. I am a junior college student. I'm studying secondary English ed, so I will be certified to teach 7th through 12th graders. I am also getting a minor in journalism and public relations. And I'm also getting an ESL certificate, which means I will be able to teach English as a second language for kindergarten through 12th grade as well when I graduate. All right. Well, congratulations. Sounds like you have quite a lot on your plate there. Um, I do. <laughs> I don't. I you know I don't know if that contributed to the topic we're going to talk today uh, about today. But we decided that we talk about depression, and young adults uh, actually suffer through this quite a lot. I just looked up some stats, and I think it's as much as eleven percent of of women, and about half of that percent for men. W women seem to have it more often. Than men to suffer from depression, and uh, and I I had the same thing when I was your age, and I was 21. I had a major depression episode, and I've been managing it ever since. But I tell you what, let's start with your story, and then I'll tell you my story. So, what happened? So um, I am 21, and my struggle with depression officially, I say officially, very weekly here started when I was 18 because I probably struggled with it before then. I just didn't know what it was or realize what it was. It was my first um, big break home from college. It was Thanksgiving break. We had the whole week off of Thanksgiving. And I remember it was Black Friday and my grandma had called me because I always spent Thanksgiving at my grandparents' house. And she was like, Cass, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, yeah, Grandma, I'm good. She said, no, Cass, are, are you really okay? And it just really hit me then that, like, my family didn't know, like, they knew I wasn't okay. Um, and looking back, I struggled that semester. It was hard being away from home, your first semester on your own, first time ever being away from family. I struggled. It was hard to get up to go to classes, keep myself regulated with doing homework, making sure I ate, all of that kind of stuff. And just hearing it from somebody other than myself made me realize that, okay, I had a problem. And it was hard. It was hard to, um, it was hard to swallow. And I remember thinking, okay, I need to talk to my mom. So I talked to my mom the next day and I remember crying because I just didn't know what was going on. And I was like, mom, I think I need to see somebody. And I was afraid to talk to her about it because I know from some of my friends that sometimes their parents are not as open to talking about mental health as others. Um, that's just how they are because it's become more common now than it was before and I think that's a generation change too um, and she told me that 
it runs in our family. My Nana struggled with it for years. My mom struggled with it, especially very heavily after she had my sister. She had really bad postpartum depression after she had my younger sister. Um, so I got put on antidepressants over winter break of my freshman year of college. Still on them today. We've had to change my dosage. I've had to change medications. I have good days. I have bad days. Um, today's a really good day. I've been having a really nice day today. Somebody paid for my coffee in the drive-thru line in front of me, so I paid it forward and paid for the one behind me. Um, but it's, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I don't know what else to say. But no. Yeah. yeah, no. I mean, that's, that's similar to my story, but before I get into that, so you said uh, both of us know people who don't have receptive parents to this kind of conversation. You, so you expand on that, because I'm afraid there's people out there who have that situation and not what you just described. Um, so I don't want to go into detail because I don't yeah. want to call anybody out, but a friend of mine, their parents are not open to talking about mental health because they don't necessarily believe that stuff like that can go wrong. That Right. just bad or that you can just be anxious all the time um and that was really hard for me to talk about or with or to understand because i never had that issue and it's something that is it's real and i know it also is a difference between people my age we are younger it is becoming a lot more common in young adults and especially young teenagers right now because of internet, cyberbullying, all of that stuff is, um, it's becoming a lot, a bigger issue now, but I don't know. It's, I don't know how to address it. Yeah. I think, I think what we're, we're both bringing up is the stigma that a few people still have about this particular topic. Like yeah. somehow, if you have this, you're weak, or just snap out of it, or you know, go make a hot chocolate. You know, you get all kind of advice from people about what to deal with it. But really, the only way to deal with it is to see a counselor and yeah. get it properly diagnosed, because it, it may be something other than, you know, depression. It, I have what they call seasonal affective disorder. So it affects me in the fall, and it particularly gets bad in November. That's like my bad month. And I know that now being in my 50s. But I didn't know that when I was a senior in college. So I had piled up on myself all kinds of responsibilities in, in clubs and organizations and sports and schoolwork, and I just had a mental breakdown. And the only reason that I got help, because it was very stigmatized, and was that I'd been an RA the year before and had been trained to look for these symptoms. And I saw them in myself one day. I was like, I'm not sleeping very well. I sleep at the wrong times. I can't sleep at night. I'm very lethargic. I'm not getting any of my work done. Uh, and then I actually had kind of a suicidal moment too, where I was driving along the road, talking myself out of pulling into oncoming traffic. And it, as soon as I got back to campus, I actually went to the health center and said, I. I need to talk to somebody, this, this is getting bad. And that was the start of seeing counselor. Eventually, I missed my finals because I was under their guidance, self-admitted to the psych hospital for a week for my own good. 
and to get myself out of whatever situation was stressing me out, I guess. And then I had to come back and take my finals at the beginning of the next semester and catch up. And I ended up doing that and I ended up graduating. And uh, the, the best thing about the whole thing is that I was now aware that I had this kind of thing. And, and like you, I, my family never told me that we had this in, until I had to tell them that I had it. Then they go, oh yeah, oh yeah. I go, yeah, we, yeah. it would have been nice I to have known have, before. <laughs> um, that kind of would have been, that's probably something you probably should have told me. Like, my mom and my nana and my aunt all have uh, multiple sclerosis. I've known about that my entire life. So I know to watch for those symptoms in myself. So looking back now, it's a, li it's a little funny, not super funny, but I'm like, <laughs> kind of could have told me to look for these things. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, and I don't think my family not acknowledges it like, hey, we all have this and we got to look out for it. I think a lot of them still don't think that this is something they deal with. Mm -hmm. But one or two have finally said, yeah, I've seen therapists, you know. When they were older, they finally told me this. And so I didn't go on antidepressants I, I, at age 21. I was resistant. I thought, you know, I can handle this. I got through it now. And, and I went years without seeing a therapist, but you know, I got married, had kids, we moved to the South, and because that seasonal affective disorder triggers me, I had, did pretty well when we lived in Georgia. Lots of sunny days, it never got terribly cold, and I would move back up here to Indiana, Pennsylvania, and cloudy days, and it gets super cold, and it just started creeping back into my life. And looking back now, I remember fights with my wife, you know, arguments with colleagues and things like, you know, I wonder if that was contributed to by this seasonal affective disorder. And then it, eventually one day I brought it up to my, my physician and we started talking about it. And I told him about that episode that I had. And they're like, you know, you know, maybe we should look into this a little bit more. And sure enough, you know, I ended up going on antidepressants. So this was years ago, but I'm on, I've been on antidepressants now for several years. And it's made a world of difference. Uh, it's been, it's just... And I'm, and I'm not an advocate of self-medicating. I don't think that we should go through life counting on outside chemicals to solve every problem, to make ourselves feel better all the time. You know, I'm not a big advocate of, of drugs. But there's something to be said for having a very small amount of a neurotransmitter administered by a doctor to help treat a, something that can be diagnosed as a, as a real issue. So I... I'm a person who'll probably be on antidepressants for my life now, as, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I, maybe I don't have to be, but it certainly still hits me. I can still say, even though I'm on it in November, I just go a little sour. <laughs> uh, and I know myself, willpower is going to go. My workout schedule is going to go to heck. I'm going to eat things I normally don't eat. I'm going to sleep differently. Uh, I'm going to have to pamper myself through the month of November and, and some of December until, you know, I come back out of that again. And, uh, and I normally do January, February, March. I start to get better. That's, only, that's my story. And I'm telling it because I don't want people to have any stigma. I, I want people to just say, I'm feeling like I need to talk to somebody. Go talk to somebody. It's harmless, really. What do you think? No, I agree. I also, um, I don't see therapists. I never have. That doesn't mean I won't. Um, in the future, I could very well see somebody in the future. I have looked into it. My doctor and I have talked about it. Um, 
but I just, I feel I'm not at the stage that I need to because I believe that I've like, we've caught my depression so early and I know how to handle my really bad days. Um, no, I, exactly. Yeah. I take the day to myself. I remember probably the most recent bad day, not going to lie, was my the first day of the semester. I got so overwhelmed. I had three assignments due on the first day of the semester and had maybe three or four within the next couple of days. And I remember sitting in my seat shaking because I was getting overcome with just all these emotions with this upcoming semester. And so I took the day to myself, the evening, I should say, after my classes were over for the day, I took the evening to myself and I just had to breathe because I knew if I wasn't, I was going to tail off the next couple of days. Um, so I've learned that I have to take, try my best to take control of my bad days in order to turn them into somewhat of a good day. Right. Right. Um, I that doesn't mean that I won't have to see a therapist in the future because I very well could. It would honestly probably benefit me to see one now. It would benefit every single person in the world to see a therapist. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I want to echo what you just said. Is It's the self-management of it that makes it workable. And that's what I want to pass along to all of our listeners out there. You know, you may, you may find that you have anxiety. You might have depression or seasonal affective disorder, something else might be going on. When you're growing up and you're 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, your brain's still developing. You're still developing your personality. You're, you really might be when you find out that you have some of these things that reoccur. It's then in, in your 20s that you got to start managing it, that you start to learn, well, okay, I can see that I'm not having one of my, I'm, I, I'm not having a good day today. I think I'll eat a bowl of ice cream. That's what I do. <laughs> I eat ice cream. <laughs> it's one of my little cheats for helping me feel better. Little I love ice cream. And that and, and, and I've discovered that working out is really helpful for me. The endorphins that get triggered by that and helps me sleep really well because I'm all, to I'm all to uh, tired or worn out. I love yoga. That's my go-to. There you go. And there's lots of things that people can do. You know, I need to, sometimes I just need to get my, myself out of my head. And so I'll pick up a science fiction book because I love reading science fiction. Or I'll pull up an, a Marvel movie because I love science, you know, that. And I, then I'm not thinking about my issues and I'm out of my head for a while. But there's lots of things that I think I've picked up over the years that allow me to manage stuff like that. And the good news is, is it, it doesn't last that long I know it's going to get better. I think that's what I didn't realize when I was 21. When I was in the midst of that first depressive episode, I didn't think it was going to get better. I thought... I it was over in that very moment. Yeah, I thought this is, this, is, this is really terrible. I feel terrible. I might as well commit suicide was what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all kinds of other thoughts I don't want to dwell on, and it's been a long time, but, you know, that's not a very happy place to be. There's a lot of bad thoughts that go through your head. But that's the message, too, that I want to share, is it does get better. Mm -hmm. You can get through it. You can get on the other side. A lot of happy days come after that. You know, and Cassie, I want to say this to you. I'm happily married for 
28 years, <laughs> really, really happily married, raised three kids, just got a dog, <laughs> making me happy again. I had a dog for a long, long time. And uh, yeah, I, I, I don't mean to, to brag, but I think I'm a success. I think I'm, my life's been uh, career-wise successful. I'm healthy. And I also have this, uh, this issue of seasonal affective disorder. It's just, I manage it and I go through my day, you know? I go through my life. I think, uh, I think we can also say, by the way, that there can be episodes and then they go away, right? And they can be triggered by trauma, by life events, by a death, by a sexual assault, you know, by something really terrible, and you can have a depressive episode. That doesn't mean you suffer from depression for a lifetime, it, but it does mean you should go talk to somebody and help get out of that. Are you familiar with anything like that, what I'm saying? Oh, oh yes. Um, when I lost my grandmother two years ago, my depression got worse. It got really bad. That was probably the worst that it has ever been. And that was, I believe, the only time we ever raised my antidepressants in dosage. Okay. And I've gone to the same doctor my entire life. My family doctor, he is the one who released me from the hospital as a baby. I've gone to him my entire life. And he's very sad when he retires. Uh -huh. um, and so he's known me my entire life. And he, he was like, I've never seen you like this before. And so I, I'm just like you. I'm not for taking medication if I don't have to. But he was like, I really think we need to do this to help you get, help you get through this moment. And I took that increased dosage for maybe a few months, three or four months to help me really push through it because we lost her on Halloween and right after October came the holiday season. So that was really hard. So it, I think that helped me push through the holidays and then my birthday's in January too. So like we really had to push through that tough time. Um, yeah. Okay. So for the people not watching, listening right now without the camera, huh? um, I'm smiling while I'm saying this <laughs> and I don't know why. But I think it's because I'm thinking of my grandma because also right now, side note for one of my classes, I'm writing a paper about her. Oh. So I'm thinking about her a lot this week and it's just also making me really happy. Um, That's great. But I lost my train of thought. No, no, no. I mean, I, I, where I want to jump in is you were talking about that interplay between you and the doctor. Yeah. And, and, and I had that too at first. I'm like, I was nervous. I had this, I mean, I was 21 and I had, must have been like a 60-year-old woman who sounded like Freud, <laughs> wanting to talk about my childhood. At that, 30 years ago, there were a lot more psychoanalysts than you'll find today. <laughs> and I was really nervous. Over time, we build up a, a trust. And over time, I think I told her more. And, and time also helped me get over whatever, I had, whatever thing had triggered that at the time. And I think that people need to hear that it doesn't happen immediately. You don't walk in and then suddenly walk out and depression's gone. One is that counseling relationship has to build up over some time and, you have, and they have to hear you and you have to hear them. And two, you might have to experiment with drugs and dosage. So yes. it, it does happen that sometimes people have to switch a drug. They, they tried this and that isn't really the right one for them. Or they try a dosage and that isn't really the right dosage. I, I, even my own kids, particularly one of them, wants to walk into the doctor and walk out perfectly healthy. 
and and not realize that like they don't they're not necessarily going to get it right on the first try that this this diagnosis stuff is part part art and science right they don't have like the tricorder that Captain Kirk's team had that immediately mm-hmm. diagnose you by waving a wand. I'm sorry, that's an old Star Trek reference, but you know, there's no magic wand where the doctor knows exactly what's wrong with you. They got to talk to you, rule a bunch of things out, and then almost like process of elimination, kind of figure out what it might be and therefore treat it in that fashion. So it might be that you you talk, and, it, and they may not want to start you on antidepressants. Maybe that's in their opinion, that's not where to begin. But if they suggest it and then you try that, I have to tell you, you might try a different one or you might change the dosage. It takes months for some of this stuff to really uh, have the proper effect, at least weeks. Um, so I want to throw that in. Six weeks to see any difference. Six weeks, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I started, I, went, I remember going over Christmas break because... It was Thanksgiving, and then we came home in like two weeks for Christmas break. So I remember going to the doctor over Christmas break. So I probably started mine like a month before I went back for the spring semester. And I remember being like on top of my game for the spring semester. I felt like I was on top of the world. Good. Good. I mean, but that brings up another point. The difference between taking self-medication, you're taking something to feel high, is you don't feel high from an antidepressant. I don't get any any sense of euphoria. I don't. Get, if for me, it's it means I'm not having thoughts that are dark, and that have creeped into my life repeatedly, particularly in one part of the year, the seasonals. They're just not there, which allows me just to be normal, in my humble opinion. <laughs> that is the perfect way to describe it. I've had people ask me what it feels like to take antidepressants, and I never have a good explanation for it it's like i take the medication to help me feel like a normal human being i don't feel tired i don't feel scattered because i also have um mild add as well i can't focus especially when it comes to my schoolwork. i am all over the place um we almost had to add in a second medication to help me like zone in on things Hmm. but we've on like strategies for myself to help me stay focused and oriented and a lot of that happens when I take my phone and put it in a location that I have to physically get up and walk to it in order if I want it. (laughs) Good point. Yeah, that's a good strategy. I like that. It works. It works. Mm -hmm. I don't feel tired. I don't get headaches. I don't, I'm just, I'm not cranky. Cranky was a big one with me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, functional. yeah, it's functional. I, people, I, I, I think that modern medicine has come a long, long way. Okay. Even, even in the 30 years since I was first offered antidepressants, there, there's a greater variety of them. They seem, I, I think, and I'm not a clinical psychologist and I'm not a psychiatrist, so I'm not talking from expertise here, but I'm just my perception is there's there's greater choices, doctors have more tools at their fingertips, and there's more experience with administering them, so they do a better job of getting you in the right place and, and, and helping you get through this. And it's nothing to be ashamed of, right? I think, it's, I think it's the right solution, just like I have flat feet, so I wear arches in my, my shoes. I do it every day and I don't think about it. 
it's, it's a condition that I've got to have a solution for. That's the solution for it, right? I wear glasses. I got contacts in right now. <laughs> it's a condition that I have a solution for. So I wear glasses or contacts like right now. And so in the same way, I take a pill in the morning and I don't think about it. And some, suddenly I don't have the issues that I had um, for years trying to struggle through this um, seasonal affective disorder. So we've got to wrap up. I know our time is limited here, Cassie. So let me ask you, is there, what message would you send to other young adults about the topic of depression? If you're scared to talk to somebody about it, it's okay to be scared because I was. But it's not okay to leave it alone because you don't want to do that. I did, and then my family noticed that something wasn't right about me, and that's when I knew I needed help. So talk to somebody, anybody. It doesn't have to be a family member. It can be your roommate. It can be your best friend. It can be your neighbor. Ask somebody for help. It's okay to not be okay. We're all not okay in our own way. <laughs> But it'll, it'll all be okay. You know, that brings up an important point that I forgot to say is you and I are not here talking about symptoms. So I think if people are concerned, they should just type into to their favorite search engine, what are the symptoms of depression? And I know that there are lots and lots of questionnaires out there that they can take. So, And you can do that privately. You can do it on your phone. And if you think that the results indicate some signs of depression, then do what Cassidy has said. Talk, find somebody to talk to. By the way, a lot of insurance plans have a free helpline for these kind of issues that you can start the process. You don't even have to go into a doctor. They just have a phone number. Hey, if you think that this is something that you want to talk about, call this phone number. Ask your parents or, be on a, or look in your insurance policy and see if you have that kind of number because that just starts it. It's anonymous. It's free. And of course, if you don't have that, there are anonymous helplines in every county, in every state, in the whole United States that are men you, mental health lines. If you go to a college, a lot of them have a counseling center that you have so many free sessions mm -hmm. that with your tuition, I know the school I go to has that. Yeah. Um, go to the health center at your college if you're afraid to talk to somebody that you personally know because they are there to help you. And these are all very private and very anonymous. They don't, yes. you know, in fact, you, you can ask before you say anything, hey, I'm on, I'm on the phone. Is this private and anonymous? Is anybody going to find out about this and, get, and hear their answer and uh, decide if you want to go forward with that? And just in case you want to keep it quiet for a while. Unlike you and I, Cassie, we've been on this for years. So we're like, no, nah, we'll talk about it. It's good to talk about it. I've become very open about it. It's something that I know a lot of people struggle with and I struggled with for a while. And now I'm on a mission to help people. Mm -hmm. And I feel as a future teacher, it's something that I really want to be open with about. That way, if students ever come to me for help, that I, I know how to help them. Well, I, I agree 100% with you. I, I think that's my mission, too. Hey, thanks for joining me today, Cassidy. Have a great day. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Growing Up Sucks podcast with Eric Lauber. 